Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. 80s Wrestling, none other than Tommy Fierro. Tommy, welcome back to the program, man. What's up, brother? How are you? I am doing fantastic. We're coming off of a July 4th weekend celebrating independence, and I got to know, how was your week up there in New Jersey? I'm sure you guys do it big. Let freedom ring. What's going on in your neck of the woods? <laughs> uh, it's probably the same thing you guys do. Uh, you know, eat hot dogs, hamburgers. But again, coming from a man that lives down in Minnesota that, that doesn't uh, know what the Wrestling Eye magazine is, maybe you guys don't get hamburgers and hot dogs down there. You, you do, right? You know, they came, we just, we just discovered them about five years ago. Uh, a truck pulled up and we were like, what are these? How are we supposed to eat these? They, they look like uh, sausages from McDonald's breakfast. I don't know what to do. Yes, we have hot dogs and hamburgers, man. I just didn't know. The East Coast, man, that's where this whole freedom thing started. So I didn't know if you guys chucked tea into the bay. I don't know what you guys do out there to celebrate. Uh, well, but I'm sure you, know, you had a real the, good back, time. Back in the day, since I'm up here in Jersey, we used to – you know, have Yokozuna uh, do something and, and, and a helicopter would fly down and uh, never mind. Yeah, see, you guys do big. I actually just showed, because we talked about that on last week's episode, I just showed that whole segment to my two boys and they absolutely nice. loved it. So what's going You're... on with, with the Wrestling Collector? What's going on with 80s Wrestling, your, your Monday Night Virtuals? What is happening right now, Tommy? Well, right now we have a, a couple of weeks off of, of Monday Night Virtual, which is awesome because I get to I get to catch up on all my orders. We had within two weeks we had the Head Shrinkers, we had uh, we offered in store uh, mail order for signing up the store with One Man Gang and Typhoon, and we got crushed with that. So that that Head Shrinker one was on a Monday, then that signing was on a Saturday, and the very next day we had Val Venus, and he did better than anticipated, which obviously is awesome. But all within that one week, that one week time frame, just left like a sea of orders uh, for me to to ship out. So I'm I'm almost almost caught up. I think I have another day or two, and and then uh, hopefully I'll be caught off caught off by the end of the week. But I'm happy that I have those couple of weeks off to just get these orders done. Our next one's going to be the last Monday of this month, uh, July, with uh, Dean Malenko. That should be a really good one. That should be a really good one. And I have to thank you because yesterday was an awesome mail day. My autographed photo of Mr. Val Venus arrived. And I got to be honest with you, this was the first time that opening up a package that had a a picture of a man in a towel with that expression on his face was a good thing. Normally, if I would receive that in the mail, I'd be a little put off. But uh, I appreciate (laughs) the autographed picture, my man. It goes with the rest of the collection. So thank you for that. And it's actually the signing with Val Venus that leads us in today's conversation. Because during his virtual signing, somebody asked him about the Intercontinental Championship, and he gave a beautiful explanation as to why, when he was getting into wrestling, that was the coveted title among the workers. All the guys in the locker room, they wanted that title because in the early 80s, into the early 90s, that title carried such prestige and, uh, and oftentimes went to the best worker, the guy that was going to have the greatest matches. 
So among the in-ring performers, that's the championship they wanted to carry. So we thought, why not do a whole show about the IC title, our memories and who we think did it better than anyone. So to jump into this conversation, Tommy, I have, I have a simple question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I would love to know, Mr. 80s Wrestling, the encyclopedia of the squared circle, can you tell me currently who holds the Intercontinental Championship? Wow. I, I'm, I'm so happy that you brought this up right at the top of the program because it, it's funny that you said that because what I, what I did on my, my drive up here to the store this morning was think about the history of the Intercontinental uh, title and how important it was in the 80s, like you just mentioned. And, uh, and then I, I thought to myself, who's the current WWE Intercontinental Champion? And Jay, if you put a gun to my head right now and told me to tell you who the Intercontinental Champion was and my life was on the line, I might, I might be gone because I can't tell you who the current Intercontinental Champion is. I, I will admit that I do not currently watch the product anywhere near on a regular basis. I, I, tune, I try and tune in for, uh, well, I definitely watch all the, the big four pay-per-views. I watch them, but the other pay-per-views I try and find out what's going on or try and catch the main event or something like that. But even though I, I don't watch on a, reg, a regular basis or, or not watching currently, I still read about it every day. And it's what I do for a living now, Jay. I have a pro wrestling store and I do the signings, you know, two, three, a month. So I should still know who the WWE Intercontinental Champion is just by being in and around the business. And I can't answer that. So what that says to me, Jay, is that puts your finger on the pulse of what's wrong with today's product. If me, who lives, breathes, and eats wrestling, basically, in the year 2021, I can't tell you who the Intercontinental Champion is. So what's the average casual viewer at home? If, if I don't know the answer, damn sure, well, hell, they don't know the answer. So that right there just goes to show how badly the, the, the fan base and the audience has dropped off. I, I just saw uh, something. I don't, I don't want to get in a tirade of, of a totally different topic, but it's important to mention this. You know, I, I saw, you know, ratings from last week's episode of Raw uh, that had like it was like 1.5 million viewers watching it. That is horrible. You know, there was seven and eight back during the height of the Attitude Era, but do a 1.5. I remember when it was like even when it wasn't great and business was down, they were still doing threes. Now it's 1.5. So that right there shows you that people are just so disengaged they, they just don't care and i honestly can tell you that i don't know who the Intercontinental champion is which means i obviously don't care either so if i don't care damn sure well know that the majority of casual viewers that might tune in for the wrestlemania or SummerSlam pay-per-views they're they don't care either and and, and and that's a big problem and i remember as a kid like you just said, the Intercontinental title was the title. And, you know, I can tell you the title changes 
from the 80s, like, there were nothing. There was only nine title changes for the Intercontinental title in a decade in the years 1980 to 1989. Nine title changes. You can't ever, 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 ever go back to that title being important like it was back then. I don't care what they do. I don't care if they revamp the title. I don't care if they change the design of the title. It just, today's booking is, is it just, it just, it'll never go back to being that way. And, you know, you remember the classic fights with Tito Santana and Greg DeHammer Valentine. You remember, remember the awesome matches between Randy Savage and, you know, Ricky Steamboat. You remember the Ultimate Warrior running down at SummerSlam and winning that Intercontinental title in 30 seconds from the Honky Tonk Man. I, these are these are embedded in your brain. Can you tell me the last memory you have, Jay, of the Intercontinental title? You know, I'm in a very similar boat with you, where I could not have told you the current champion until I looked it up. So for everybody out there screaming. Uh, into their into their podcast player. The current title is held by Apollo Crews. But you're right, Tommy. I think one of the biggest heartaches that wrestling fans of our generation have is when we were in love with the product, the championships meant something. They were a coveted prize. They were a big part of the wrestling world. And unfortunately that's no longer the case. Titles just don't mean what they once did. Tommy, I want to share some stats with you. I'm, I'm on the WWE.com website. From 1980 to 1989, so in that nine-year run, there were only 15 wrestlers that held the IC belt. In nine years, only 15 held it, and the shortest reign, was 64 days, so a little over two months, which back then was a very short title reign. Jump ahead to the next nine years, 1990 to 1999, there were 46 IC champions. From 15 a decade earlier, it more than doubled, and the shortest reign, less than a day. You go to 2000 to 2009, the number of people that held that belt jumps from 46 up to 67. And again, the shortest reign, less than a day. If you go from 2010 to 2019, it drops back down to 47 champions. And again, shortest reign, less than one day. What that tells me is this title is getting passed around way too much. It's no longer a prestigious championship. It's a trinket that they pass from one guy to another. That's why the golden era when you only have 15 people holding that title through a decade and the shortest reign is over two months, it means that championship is staying with a wrestler for an extended period of time. The longest reign during that time is 453 days. The championship just meant more during the golden era, Tommy. And I think that's one of the things that breaks the heart of fans like us. Yeah, definitely. And my numbers were a little off. I'm sorry. It was a little bit more than nine uh, looking at the title changes. I wasn't looking at the early 80s ones where, you know, Kemp Patera and, and Paige and Morales. And, uh, but you're right. It, it just it, The belt meant so much more back then. And 
you know, today, uh, that's those, those those numbers right there. I don't need to see anything else. We can we can move on talking about the importance of the title from then to now because you just Jay, what you just said hit the nail on the head. I mean, that, that those numbers are alarming. I didn't I didn't even realize numbers were that that high. I'm looking at that same list you're looking at right now, and man, I cannot believe all the Intercontinental Champions in the '90s. And then I'm, we didn't even get to the to the 2000s currently. They probably even go up a lot more. But uh, yeah, man, the Intercontinental title meant a lot in the 80s and even early 90s to mid 90s. But after that, you know, it, it started, you know, you know, losing its, you know, prestige and value. And that all has to do with, you know, the the, the quick back and forth title changes and how often the title was, you know, changed. You know, back then a uh, a wrestler would hold the belt six months to a year, like you just said. Sixty-something uh, days was the the shortest reign. You know, you had people that held it over a year or a couple of years. Look at Honky Tonk Man, and uh, you know, it, it just it, it's it's a shame because the belt should still mean so much because of the history of it and the stories behind it, and it just doesn't. Even even the WWE now World Heavyweight Title or Heavyweight Title. It just it's it's it doesn't matter. The the belts don't matter anymore. You know it, it's a shame. It's a shame because uh, it, it was such a big part of the show and the big matches back in the day. You know to, to see a title match, it was an attraction, and and now they just give it away for free on TV all the time. So it's just a different time. It's a different time. You you would never see, you know, a a, a title match with importance. You know, if you saw it, it was on a Saturday night's main event or a special or something very special. Uh, now you see it all the time, and this doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Kind of like steel cage matches and back in the 80s, how steel cage matches were such a big deal. And that could be a, a, a topic for uh, an episode, Jay, the greatest steel cage matches of the 80s. Maybe we, can, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do that next week. What do you think about that? Let's do it, man, because I agree. Right now... I mean, cage matches used to be the blow-off to a giant feud. It meant something when you locked two guys into a cage. Now you have entire pay-per-views where every match is inside a steel structure. So I just, yeah, you're, you're getting me fired up this morning, Tommy. You're talking about all the things that fire up a wrestling fan that grew up <laughs> in the 80s. So let's, let's jump into our discussion of the IC title. We've already did the old man venting about things were better in our day. And I don't think anyone can argue that. If, if you didn't grow up during that time period, uh, I feel bad because you missed out on some of the greatest feuds, angles, wrestlers, title reigns. You missed out on a lot. So let's jump okay, can in. I say, can I say yeah. something real quick before, before we start? You're right. We, we do, at least I know I do. I, I bitch a lot about the wrestling that I grew up on to now. And I know it's... I know, I know it's not a podcast talking about today's wrestling, but you can't really talk about it without intertwining it with today's. I, I don't like to be that person. I don't, I don't want to talk bad about the current product. I want, I want a reason to tune in every Monday night. And if I can't watch it live, the DVR it and watch it later, I want to get excited to record wrestling. I want to be able to watch it every week. So I just want to... I'm, I'm not some bitter old 80s fan that doesn't care about wrestling. I love wrestling business. I love it. Uh, but give me a reason to want to 
you know, to tune in. Give me a reason to want to tape it and then watch it when I get home that night or, you know, the next day or whatever. You know, there's they don't give you a reason. I, I, I can tune in six months from now, and, and it can be New Day against uh, another tag team, whatever. And, and you can just wait six months and see it again. Like, back, back then during the height of the Attitude Era, you were at the edge of your chair biting your fingernails waiting to see what was going to happen next. You couldn't wait till next Monday to see Raw Nitro. You couldn't wait. You were glued to your TV set. Nowadays, you just I, all I want is a reason, a reason to tape wrestling. And, 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 and sporadically, they give you reasons. You know, they'll do like the Legends Night or they'll do this. They'll do something special or supposedly special. And then in my opinion, 99.9% of the time, Jay, they drop the ball on it, and that to myself, that's the reason why I don't tape wrestling anymore. That's the reason why I don't go back and watch it. So, you know, every time they give you a little something, and you're almost about to bite that carrot, they take it away from you, and then you're saying to yourself, well, shit, that's the reason why I don't watch it to begin with. Like the Royal Rumbles, they have, you know, last several Royal Rumbles. I think this one was, was pretty good, but, like, there's been a, a slew of Royal Rumbles over the last 10 years where you're waiting, you're waiting for that big surprise. Like, you know, just so you feel like a kid again back in that era. And then number 30 and then number 30 comes out and it's Dolph Ziggler or number 30 comes out. And it's Braun Strowman like last year. It's like you, you want number 30 to be someone gigantic or you want at least number 30 to be someone that's a surprise. It, it just, it just, everything is just so different. So I don't want to be that negative uh, 2021 fan because I am not. I want to get excited to watch wrestling. Just give me a reason. Just give them a reason. That's all we need is a reason. Well said, Tommy. I agree with you. And we can go on and on because we know that the wrestling world is often just a reflection of society. And they're competing against shortened attention spans. They're competing against streaming services. There's a lot more things that people can watch. Sure. That's that's the reason that your product needs to be that much better. You need to give people a reason to choose you exactly. over anything else. And so like Tommy said, all we're looking for is a reason. And the reason we're talking this morning is all about that IC title, Tommy. So let me ask you this, brother. What is your, like, when, when I say Intercontinental Championship, who is the, the wrestler or what is the the situation that pops into your brain when you're thinking back to the golden era. Oh, yeah. The Macho Man. Oh, yeah, Macho Man, man. You want to know something incredible about the Macho Man? I'm with you. When you think IC title, oftentimes you think of the Macho Man. You think of him in his WrestleMania three match against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The cool thing about Macho Man and the IC title, he only held that title once. Only once. And so he's got to be the greatest one-time IC champion in the history of wrestling because you picture him with that title, but he only held it once. He held it for 414 days. So it was a long reign. But it was like one and done with him with that title, which I think is a pretty cool fact. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, what, what, what I was going to ask you is you, you started watching around the same time frame as I did. 
and and you know there was you know Tito and Greg and and, and that's another thing I want to mention too like Tito and Greg they their their feud for the title really ele- elevated the title and both of those guys at the same time in my opinion I want to get your take on that too but we'll get right back to that but out of those guys like Tito Greg you know Savage Steamboat Honky Tonk Man Ultimate Warrior uh, you know, you could put Rude and Mr. Perfect all on that time frame as Intercontinental Champions. Is is Savage the one that stands out to you as well the most? Well, I'll tell you this. My love of the IC title started with Savage and Steamboat in WrestleMania three. I feel like even though Pedro Morales, Don Morocco, Tito, and Valentine, they all helped advance that title. I mean, they all gave it credibility. But it was really the Savage Steamboat feud that elevated that as like, we're having the best card on the match and we're wrestling for this championship. You may have come to see the big belt get defended, but we're the ones that stole the show. So I love the IC title starting with those two. But if I close my eyes and you ask me who I picture in my mind is like the Intercontinental Champion for all time, I see Mr. Perfect. I think he was an incredible IC champion because that belt represents the best worker and the guy who's going to have the best match and oftentimes the most technical wrestler. And so if I would pick one guy to be the IC title in my mind forever and always, it would be Mr. Perfect. Yeah, he was, he was, he was perfect <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I hate to say it, but he was really, really, really good. I would have loved to have seen him as, the world heavyweight champion. He would have been, he would have been an awesome world champion too, but yeah, man. You, you, and you look at this list of guys, like how impressive is this? I'm going to, I'm going to go a little further down, Jay. I'm going to go to, let's see. I'm going to go to 90. I'm going to go to 93. I'm going to go all the way to 93. So listen to this lineup. I'm going to start with Tito. So T, uh, so let's start with Morocco. Morocco. Tito, Greg Valentine, Tito again, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, Honky Tonk Man, Ultimate Warrior, Rick Rude, Ultimate Warrior again, the title's vacant, and as you know, there was a title tournament, and the finals was Mr. Perfect against Tito Santana, which I thought was a, a, a great finals because Tito had a lot of history as their kind of champion. So that, yeah. and it was the baby face. So that was a perfect way to give the, the, the win a little bit more credibility for perfect. And then perfect would drop it to the Texas tornado in SummerSlam of 1990. And when it back from tornado in November of 90, then it went from perfect to Bret Hart. So Bret Hart's first big break as a single star was the Intercontinental champion in 91 and then the Mountie wins it from Brett. Piper wins it from the Mountie. And then Piper win, uh, Brett wins the belt back from Piper at the uh, WrestleMania 8, which was a fantastic match. And then the Bulldog wins it from Brett Hart in that amazing match in London, England for SummerSlam. Then Shawn Michaels gets his big break as a singles guy wins the Intercontinental title, and then drops it to Gennetti, back to Sean, and then Razor gets it at the end of 93. But listen to that line up of talent that we just mentioned. 
man, talk about a run that that Intercontinental title had. What an amazing run. And, again, it wasn't done where the title was switching hands every week or every month or even every couple months. You know, these guys would hold on the belt for a while, and it would mean something when the title was defended. And, more importantly, it would mean something when the title changed hands. But what an impressive list of talent that is, huh? Not only is that an impressive list of talent, but when you talked about the, the specific matches when it changed hands, like I could picture those matches. Like those oh, yeah. big-time matches. Those were some of the greatest matches of all time, and you can picture them, and you know that those matches were elevated, yes, because of the talent, but also because that IC title meant something, and they were fighting for something. One of the things I love and appreciate about the IC title is oftentimes in this era, the big belt, the the winged eagle, the world championship was held by a baby face wrestler, oftentimes Hulk Hogan. And so the thought process was if Hogan is is our face champion, we could put that intercontinental championship on a heel and then you could have a baby face chasing. And so oftentimes that was the storyline with this belt. And oftentimes that's the storyline that captures fans' hearts and attention. You think about Steamboat's win over Savage, how the crowd erupted. You think when you have the honky-tonk man, purebred heel, he has the longest reign in history. And then when Babyface Warrior comes out of that curtain at SummerSlam, the place erupts. And then when you have Mr. Perfect, the heel, defending that championship, and then you get the babyface Bret Hart finally going over on him. Like, it's just such a good heel-face chase with that belt, and I love that. Absolutely, man. And before we we talk about some of these champions, I want to briefly talk about the days that they held the title for. Like I said earlier, back then, it wasn't every week or every couple months or even every six months. The title was changing hands. Listen to the amount of days that these title uh, these title reigns lasted for. So Tito won the title from Don Morocco. Don Morocco was the Intercontinental Champion for 385 days, Jay, and he won that from Pedro Morales, who had it for 425 days. So Tito wins it from Morocco. And then holds the title for uh, 226 days and until dropping it to Greg Valentine. And then Greg Valentine would hold the title, Jay, for 285 days until he drops it back to Tito. Now, Tito gets the belt back for a second time. He holds the title another 217 days until dropping it to Randy Savage. Savage holds the title for 414 days until dropping it to Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. I'm assuming the story Steamboat didn't have the title very long, only 65 days before dropping it to Honky Tonk. And then Honky Tonk... Tommy, that's only because he was leaving the company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If he would have stayed with the company, I promise you he would have had 300-plus days with that belt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then Honky gets the title, and Honky goes on to hold it for 454 days until dropping it to the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior holds it 
for 216 days before dropping it to Rick Root. So, I mean, I don't want to keep going with the numbers, but just to give you the gist of things, the title did not change hands that often. So when it did change hands, it meant something. And that's how you can remember who the champions were back then and who they defeated for the titles back then because it was something special. It's not something that happened all the time. So when it happened, it gets glued into your brain and you remember it. So that is another reason why the title was so important back then because it did not change hands very often, and you can remember the title changes. Tommy, I want to ask you just a question. I want your personal, honest opinion on this. So the honky-tonk man holds the title. Uh, for the longest reign, he was a one-time champion, but he held it for the most com- consecutive days, 454 days, okay? One-time champion, 454 days. On the other end of the spectrum, the man who's won the title most often is Chris Jericho. He's a nine-time IC champion. Combined days, 318. So my question for you, Tommy, if you're the performer, would you rather have a one-time reign of longer days or would you rather have nine times holding the strap? In your personal opinion, you're the performer in the ring. How would you write your story? Ah, that's a, that's a tough one. Both are uh, records. Both are records. Yeah, I, I, I would say you're right. They're both records and they're both great accomplishments. If I was a performer, I would probably say the amount of times because you can – I mean, again – it's a totally different animal because booking is different in the 90s, 2000s, and so on and so forth than, than it was back then. But to still say, well, the company, you know, they came back to me nine times means they obviously had faith in me. So if I was a performer, I'd, I'd probably go that route. But both are amazing. I think I agree with you because everybody knows, you know, Ric Flair's 16-time world champion, even though it's probably more than that if you'd actually count it up. So I think you're right. I think as a performer, the more times they go to you, you feel better. But let me ask you this. This is just kind of a follow-up question. Who do you think has more rights to calling themselves the greatest intercontinental champion of all time? The guy who's won the title more or the guy who held it the longest without being defeated for it? A tough question. Uh, I, I think Honky, you know, he, 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 he got it glued into our brains from him saying in all those years that he was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, that if you say it often enough, people are going to start to believe it. When you hear that, you, 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 you say, Tommy, who's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. The first person I'm going to think of is honky tonk man, because he told me that for a long time. You know what I mean? (laughs) You're absolutely right. He drilled it into our heads. And I think it's subjective. I don't think you could pick the greatest of all times, but in my mind, like I, I probably would not pick Honky Tonk Man as the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, but I like long reigns. I think it does something for the performer, and it elevates the title. And so I'm a fan of long reigns, even though saying you're a nine-time champ, it's pretty darn impressive. I'm a fan yeah, of long reigns, and so I, I, don't, I don't know who I would pick as the greatest. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I was just going to say, I just found something cool that I wanted to share with you. Uh, I was just because I was curious, because I don't remember everyone. I just Googled who was in that 1990 Intercontinental Title Tournament. So it actually pulls up the brackets and the results. Maybe I'll, I'll post the brackets on 
on our 80s wrestling page today to preview this podcast. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a graphic of the, uh, of the brackets of the tournament. First round, Tito Santana versus Akeem. Brutus Beefcake versus Dino Bravo. Jimmy Snuka against Mr. Perfect. And Roddy Piper versus Rick Martel. We, uh, we, we find out here that Tito beats Akeem in the first round by countout. Mr. Perfect beats Jimmy Snuka with his feet on the ropes. Dino Bravo wrestled Brutus Beefcake to a double countout. And that would round the first round, which would go right to uh, the finals, which would be uh, – oh, that's that side of the brackets. The other side was Roddy Piper and Rick Martel had a double DQ. And uh, this would lead to, obviously, Tito and, and Mr. Perfect in the, in the finals. But uh, that was a classic match. Like I said earlier, I think it was a good way of making that, uh, that tournament and belt mean a little bit more because Perfect beat someone that was, you know, you know, you hear in a final title, then you, you think of Tito Santana. So I, I think it was a nice transition. It was, and it, the more we do these podcasts, the more I notice that Tito Santana's name comes up in some of these key moments. Uh, and so you really have to tip your hat to what a performer he was. You know, we talked with him about his, his appearance in the first WrestleMania and his spot on the card, and now we're talking about how he is that intercontinental champion, and he's kind of the, the transition piece from the lineage of the belt to now transitioning it to Mr. Perfect. So he just really plays an integral part. Uh, in the wrestling scene during this time. Let's talk just for a moment about why that tournament is taking place that you're talking about. It's because the warrior who was the IC champion faced off against Hulk Hogan uh, at WrestleMania, champion versus champion. Warrior ends up going over, winning both belts. Uh, President Jack Tunney says you can only defend one title at a time, and so he relinquishes the Intercontinental Championship, in order to defend the World Championship. Now, when we talk about WrestleMania six and that main event, you were pulling for the Warrior. I was pulling for Hogan. We all know how it played out. But I will tell you this. In my heart of hearts, leading up to that match, the only thing that weighed heavy on a Hulkamaniac's heart is at this time, the World Heavyweight title is given more weight. In, in the wrestling scene than the IC belt. It, it's, it's looked at as a, as a bigger prize than the IC belt. And so my only thought was, if Hulk Hogan wins, what he's, he's not going to defend both belts. He's just going to end up giving the IC belt away too. And so that was the only thing in my heart that made me go, maybe Hogan's not winning this, because why would he put his world title on the line against the IC belt but I don't know. That's that's the only question mark that was left in my young brain. Yeah. I, again, like, and, and that also at that time, you know, Warrior just defeated Hulk Hogan, and Warrior was the Intercontinental Champion. So him, you know, the champion, the, the world champion, relinquishing his Intercontinental title, it's that's a pretty big deal because now the top guy of the company just had the title. They, they told a good reason why he couldn't defend it anymore because you know you can't defend two belts at once. So the, the title is coming off of a guy that just defeated Hulk Hogan. So the belt definitely has still a ton of prestige behind it. And then you do the tournament to even, you know, make it more prestigious to see the new champion. So, I mean, it was a great transition 
from getting the belt off Warrior and onto Mr. Perfect. And at that time, again, the belt still meant so much more because then Brett would get it, then him and Bulldog would have that classic match down the road, and Piper's involved. I mean, it's still such a great time period for this Intercontinental title. And I, I guess let's talk about Honky for a minute, talking about the Intercontinental Champions. We talked about him saying he was the, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all times. That's a lot of time invested in a character. And, and, and it's, that's why I always say that Honky Tonk Man is someone that doesn't nearly, nearly get enough credit for his contributions and just how big he was to that product at that time because that title meant so much at that time and that for him to be the heel and have it for that long. And he, he basically, I'm telling you right now, if, if Warrior would have came out and, and ran rapid on someone else to win that title, it might not have nearly got the reaction it did because Honky had so much heat behind him as a heel and I, I think he elevated Warrior big time in that match. The interesting part about the Honky Tonk Man is up until this point the IC title is held by guys who are known for like being the in-ring best performers. Taking nothing away from their Honky Tonk Man. He's the guy who is probably more known for his heat for his character, for the way he talks, his promos, his cheating ways, his, you know, his, his manager interference. And so you don't really think a Honky Tonk Man is a technical wrestler like you would Steamboat, Valent, Santana, Savage. But you're right. He's got this heat, and he keeps this title for so long, and he's telling you he's the greatest ever. He's telling you he's the best, and he's got the, the days to prove it like no one seems to be able to beat him and then you're right you have the warrior come out and not only beat him but everybody loves the fact that he beat him one you didn't expect him and then it was a short match that you already have the ultimate warrior who is just becoming a fan favorite this skyrockets him to the next level you're right if warrior would have beat anybody else for that belt it wouldn't have meant as much because People were dying to see the Honky Tonk Man lose this championship. And so they lost their mind the moment the first chord of the Warriors song hit. Um, and then I want to go back to what you said about the WrestleMania matchup with Warrior and Hogan. You're absolutely right. The fact that the Warrior, the IC champion, beat the world champion, it elevated the IC belt to almost the same level as the world championship. Because here the IC champion just beat the world champion. And so now that belt's elevated to almost the same level. And so then the fact that Mr. Perfect wins it off of that, you're right. It, it helps cement what that title means. That was a great point yeah. by you, Tommy. I never, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. It elevated that title. Yeah. Thanks man. I, it, 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 you, that's the way I looked at it too, is that, you know, you know, warrior had someone see me. I, I just want to go back to hunky real, real quick. Yeah. Go back. I just want to finish by saying this is you hear people say the honky tonk didn't do good business, all that stuff. That's bullshit. Honky tonk, man, the way he let, they didn't let, I mean, that was the way it was booked, but he didn't have to go along with it if he, if he didn't want to. The way that he had ultimate warrior defeat him so quickly like that in 30 seconds, that's doing good business because obviously honky tonk, he knows the business well. He, he sees the rise of the warrior he knows the fans are getting behind him. So what better way to elevate him by the way they did it? They couldn't have done that. They couldn't have booked that a better way. 
the way they booked it was absolutely perfect. You know, I, I just, I just, I just can't give Honky enough credit for the way he did business with Warrior during that match. Because you know, after holding the title for that long, you know, you could have said, "Hey, listen, you know, just me get defeated in thirty seconds like that. That 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 just shits on me holding the title for that long." But uh, he he knew that it was the right guy. He knew it was the right moment. And uh, I, I can't stand I can't praise uh, his run and the way he dropped the belt to Warrior any more than I, I possibly could. And uh, we're gonna have Honky as one of our Monday night virtual guests coming up in September. And we're gonna have him at the store as well, uh, the Wrestling Collector, the day before. So uh, anyone out there that is interested in getting a personalized autographed picture of the Honky Tonk Man or you have merchandise that you like to send in for Honky to sign, you can go over to 80swrestlingcon.com now. All the info is up there to order it. But I just want to say he just he, – he, the way he did Business Warrior, he, made, he helped make that belt mean even more. And the nice thing is about – the Honky's character is losing in that fashion didn't hurt him at all. He was able to keep right on rolling with his career. The, losing in that fashion did absolutely nothing to halt uh, his role in the World Wrestling Federation and his character. And so, yeah, he, he did business the way business should have been done on that day. And you could argue that because he's even said, you know, he was worried about having a longer match with the Warrior, how that would look. It didn't need to be a long match with the Warrior. None of the Warriors' matches need to be a long match. And the Honky Tonk Man didn't even get his jumpsuit off. Got beat. Never heard him. He kept right on rolling. Absolutely, man. So, yeah, at this point now, the, the Intercontinental title, and this is the late 80s, still ultra red hot, means so much. We'll go into the, you know, uh, Honky. You know, I mean, Honky drops at the Warrior. Then Warrior drops at the Rude. They have a, a great feud that goes from, you know, WrestleMania to SummerSlam. SummerSlam was in a cage. So, I mean, the, the belt is, is really, really taking off. Then Warrior, you know, wins the title from Hogan. Title goes vacant. Perfect wins it from uh, Tito in the finals. Then Curry Von Eric comes in. Obviously, Curry Von Eric red hot from, you know, from other uh, promotions throughout the world. Uh, everyone knows that he was a big star, so... Him getting involved still means a lot that he's the Intercontinental Champion. Perfect wins it back from him. Bret Hart gets it, like we said. Bret uh, was really starting to come up. So that, <clears throat> excuse me, that belt elevated Bret to the next level. Uh, the Mountie only only holds it for, for two days. Uh, he, he wins at a house show and then uh, drops it right to Piper. And uh, Bret never gets his rematch with the Mountie for the title, which means now Piper and Bret collide at WrestleMania 8 classic match for uh, only title that Piper ever held uh, for the Intercontinental title with the Intercontinental title he held it for 77 days and then the, the classic between Brett and the Bulldog and then you know Shawn Michaels wins it at Saturday Night's main event from the Bulldog so I mean that just that whole time frame man is just absolutely phenomenal and it, it, it's reasons like that that makes me and you and Pretty much everyone that's probably listening to this podcast miss those days, the '80s, because everything meant so much more back then. Uh, we we if we weren't even looking at this list right now, Jay, I bet you me and you would probably 
a lot of other people can go through that transaction from, you know, from when uh, Morocco won it from Morales and so on and so forth to probably the mid-90s, we can say every title change because there were so few and far in between. I can't even tell you what Intercontinental Champion is today, never mind, you know, who held it last year. If you tell me what was the Intercontinental title match at WrestleMania 37, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. So if you ask me what the WrestleMania uh, Intercontinental title match was at WrestleMania 9, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I completely agree with you, man. And as you look at these names and these matches, it brings you back to those moments and you can kind of relive what was going on storyline-wise, not only with the IC belt, but you could probably tell me what's going on with the rest of the World Wrestling Federation at this time. The neat thing is how many of these guys who held this belt went on to win the world championship? at some point. Now, at this point in the IC belt, it's viewed as the workers' championship. It's viewed as the belt that might have the greatest show on the match. It's not necessarily a guarantee that it's a stepping stone to the world title, but there's a number of guys in this era that go on to become tremendous world heavyweight champions. And so this belt, again, it just lends credibility to the performers but also the fact that these performers are able to elevate to the next level and become some of the biggest drawers of, of the day, really elevate that title as well. Savage, I mean, he, you mentioned him right off the top as being one of the best intercontinental champions of all time. And you could argue that he was one of the best world champions around this same time. The warrior has his run with the big title. Bret Hart, of course, goes on to be one of the greatest champions of the early 90s. Shawn Michaels, everybody knows his story. Um, I guess when you were going through that list, the one thing that I kind of went, oh, man, I wish, I wish the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Eric, would have been in a better place personally during this time. Because for him to have only an 84-day run with that title when he's feuding with Mr. Perfect, if he would have been in a better place in his own life, that feud could have went on for much longer than it did. Absolutely. Is there anybody, fantasy booking-wise, is there anybody around this time frame that you would have liked to see have an IC title reign? I know that's a tough question without any prep to it, but I'm just wondering, during this time, is there anybody who you think should have either had a longer run or maybe should have give, been given a run that wasn't? I think, I think Brutus Beefcake, man. And we've, we spoke about this on past episodes. You know, he, he was one of the top baby faces in the entire company during that time frame and, and a big star. Uh, and, and he was in that mix too. And he was, you know, we heard stories he was supposed to get it and never got it. So I'm sure there was at least plans for him to get it. But uh, I mean, looking at a list of talent from that time frame, he's probably one of them that pops up right away. You could say Jake too, but I mean, Jake, I can picture more as a world champion than Eric Canal champion. But like, again, he did he was so over with the audience that he didn't need to have a title to get over. And, and a lot of people said that uh, about titles back then. But uh, Beefcake is one that stands out to me that I think should have had a run uh, as the Intercontinental Champion because he was, just, he was just so over with the audience at that point. He would have been a great one. And I wonder, I'm, I'm sure there was times when his name was thrown about and maybe he was going to do it. And then, you know, either something happened outside the ring or inside the ring and they, and they went a different direction, but he would have been a tremendous IC champion during this time. He could have had a really decent run, 
with it. Um, another guy that I thought could have had the championship, but again, he was in the he was in the run for the big belt for a little while. They teased him with that was Ted DiBiase. I thought he was such a solid in-ring performer and they teased him against Hogan for the championship. They did the angle with Andre the Giant, but I thought he would have been a nice IC champion. But then, oh, this, <laughs> this is another question I have to ask you about. But anyway, when they came out with the, the million dollar championship, I thought that was a nice little uh, move for him because it kind of, I couldn't get the world title, so I, I bought and paid for my own. That was a nice direction to go. As I was on the WWE uh, website here and I was searching out the history of the Intercontinental Champion, I happened to notice that the Million Dollar Championship is back in rotation on NXT. And like you, I don't watch regularly the WWE program. I catch everything now and then. But I had no idea that they had brought back the Million Dollar Championship. Were you aware of that? Uh, yeah, I, I knew that. I just, just like I said, I, I read about stuff all the time. So yeah, I knew about that, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, real quickly, I wanna, I wanna make mention. You asked me about fantasy booking about Intercontinental Champion. I think the two names I just thought of that would have been awesome Intercontinental Champions. One would have been Rick the Model Martel. He would have mm-hmm. been a great Intercontinental Champion. Tremendous. And two, as a heel. Or a babyface, the big boss man as the Intercontinental Champion. Yes. yes. Both of those would be phenomenal. Rick the Model Martel probably should have had a run with the IC belt because he would have fit in perfectly with the guys who were holding the, the title around this time. And boss man was so over that he would have made a great champ too. Uh, I would like to have seen a face boss man run. I think that would have been enjoyable. Yeah, either one of those guys. But, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton. Like, Bad News Brown, he would have been a good heel as the Arachinology champion. There, there was a lot of guys during that time frame. Uh, but, I, again, it wasn't like today's wrestling where you can, you can you know, switch the title six times in the year and give everyone an opportunity right. to be a champion. Back then, it was every six months or every year or more yeah. than a year. Some, some point. So, you, you couldn't do everyone. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can sit down with a list. And say, yeah, this guy should have been, this guy should have been, yeah, that guy over there should have been, which would have been interesting, you know? It just was a different time, though. It would have been. Uh, Talk about fantasy booking. Here's the way that I fantasy booked the IC belt with my Hasbro figures. Even though Hasbro never came out with an IC belt, they just came out with the world one. I made do with a, a WCW one for one of my glue figures. But anyway, my fantasy booking with the IC belt was, I actually had Smash of Demolition win it, and then Axe and Smash kind of had some friction, a little bit of jealousy. A seed was planted among Axe. He didn't, he didn't think Smash should be that champion, and, and Smash would, you know, refuse to tag in on tag matches because he had to keep himself healthy and fresh for the IC title defense he had on later on in the card, and so then those two started feuding for it. Uh, I don't think they would have ever booked Demolition that way, but it would have been neat to see one half of a tag team at this time. Because they've done it since in factions and, you know, people win titles and um, can defend both the tag title and the IC belt. But back in the day, you never saw that. So that would have been neat to see one member of a tag team win it and then have the the members of that tag team kind of feud over that belt as, as their way of breaking up the team. Definitely would have been different. Would have been different. Well, Tommy, we're rounding the corner. Uh, I think what I'm taking away from this is 
the Intercontinental Championship's heyday is probably behind us. It was probably in the 80s and early 90s. Not that they can't get back to the title having prestige, but that it just doesn't seem to mean as much as it once did. And again, it just reminds me to be thankful that I grew up in the era that I did. Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up, man. It's never going to go back to being that way. Hopefully they can figure out a way to some way somehow elevate that title again. And here's the, here's the thing. I was going to, while you were talking before, I was going to Google to see who the current international champion was. And then I said, I, said, nah, I don't care. <laughs> Honestly, I really, I really said that to myself. I, like, I don't care. Guess what? Probably everyone else doesn't care either. You know, and I'm, and I'm guessing at, at the heart of it, if you were to ask the performers who are with the company today, they would probably say that they too themselves wish that the title wasn't traded as often and that it maybe meant a little bit more. I think in, in recent history, I think a guy like The Miz did a lot for the title as far as bringing back some of its importance. Awesome. Yeah, but, I, but since then, I agree with you. I don't think many people track it. I don't know if you can name it. And really, if you Google it today, it'll probably change tomorrow, Tommy. That, that's someone, you, you put the belt back on him and keep it with him for like a year. That, that's a perfect example of someone like him. He could play that current, you know, 2021 honky-tonk man type role where you, you, you put the belt on him, you keep it on him for a long time, have him beat honky-tonk's record. He, he could be the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. But do they have the patience to book him that way for 480, whatever, how many days it is? Why don't they do something like that? He'd be the perfect guy. Or if it's not him, someone else. Give them the title. Have them hold it for a day longer than Honky Tonk Man. And now they can say, I'm the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. At that point, today's wrestling fans, today's, today's uh, mind, mind span of fans, Man, they'll be fucking. Oh, excuse my language. I was saying they'll be, they'll be biting their fingernails waiting to see that title change hands at that point because 480 something needs to be the champion. That's something that will make you turn your head and say, "Wow, I want to see him lose the belt." And then when they lose the belt to someone, it elevate the belt and the person, and then hopefully keep that formula going. But I just don't think they have the, the patience or the, the, the time span to, uh, to do it and wait that long. Well, and, and the thing about the Miz is he, he was born in 1980. So he grew up watching the same icy belt get defended that you and I did. And so I know he feels the same way we do about it. He, he's talked about it in interviews, how that was the title that meant the most as a fan growing up and that he'd like to see it return to its glory. So he would be a great guy to do that with if you could convince the higher ups that that's what needs to be done. Yeah, man, I, I think we, we pretty much hit the nail on the head on everything in this episode. Uh, and, you know, it makes me want to go back and watch some old classic intercontinental title matches. I like to go back and watch Tito and Greg in the cage. I like to go back and watch that Brett Bulldog intercontinental title match. So there's a lot of classic intercontinental title matches. And I'm sure uh, maybe some of the listeners out there after their done listening to this podcast today they'll they'll do the same that's right tommy anything else before we head home anything you, that you want to share that's just about it man i, I really enjoyed this week's episode I, I tremendous conversation i enjoyed it immensely actually 
And uh, yeah, I, I, it's it, the '80s in, in wrestling. The Intercontinental Title was always a big part of it. So I'm I'm glad that we got a chance to sit down and and talk about it in long form. And I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to talk about the greatest steel cage matches from the 1980s. And that covers a lot of ground. And we'll talk about how important a steel cage match was back then and how it's pretty much non-existent. It doesn't really mean anything uh, in the year 2021. Even a Hell in a Cell match doesn't really mean that much. So I want to talk all about, I want to talk all about a steel cage match next week in the 80s, how they transitioned it into Hell in a Cell. How Hell in a Cell was a huge thing and how it's watered down and really doesn't mean too much now. So a lot to cover next week. I'm looking forward to diving into it and uh, talking about some classic matches in the cage from the 80s. There's, there's a lot. There is a lot. That's going to be a hot topic. And you know we're going to talk about Big Blue, the blue steel cage as well, which I oh, know. Man. So next week. I'm Jumpin' Jay. He's Tommy Fierro. Catch us next week for two old guys complaining about <laughs> the things we miss most <laughs> in the world of wrestling. Catch hey, us next time on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.